149 NCAA Division 3 Musings and more. Hey folks, I'm going to be shifting focus here a little bit on the TipCast and just kind of talking about some of my experiences over the past 25 years working at Division 3 schools and, and having at least some role in either the testing or performance of some of those athletes. And, and so, you know, really over the last 25 years, I've rarely seen anything more perplexing than NCAA training and development. And, and again, this isn't just a slight on Division III. Uh, I've seen all sorts of crazy things, and I'm sure a lot of you out there familiar with the system have seen really perplexing things when it comes to the NCAA and how they treat their athletes. And I know in the news we're, we're talking about Division One and and, and and paying them. I, I really want to talk about that developmental level at the very, very lowest level, the Division Three, because while mainstream media really focuses on Division One, um, I've got to wonder if anyone ever questions the structure and dysfunction of D3 athletics. Uh, you, you know, skipping over the sometimes conflict of interest between athletics and education, uh, I know a lot of D3 schools that are awesome. They've got good athletics, they've got good education, uh, and, and there's really a lot of mix and match there. I'd like to focus on some of the endemic problems that I see just with athlete development. So what are some of the problems in D3? Uh, well, here's just a short list. Uh, no, number one, I think, is probably most obvious. There's just a huge disparity in funding and ability. Now, fixing that problem is a lot easier said than done, so it's not something that can be easily addressed. But we have to acknowledge the fact that you know some schools are going to have more money than others, and there are things that you can do that don't require a lot of money. Number two, um, they need to fill their roster. Oftentimes, that results in underprepared athletes. Now, I talk about this a little bit in TipCast 148, uh, but a lot of times athletes are either completely unable or ill-equipped to handle the tra tra training demands. And so you're trying to take people who are perhaps um, not ready to train or maybe they need more time to train, kind of throwing them in the very deep end with some weights on their ankles and hoping they survive. Um, number three really relates to this. There's an inadequate adaptive period. And, and a lot of number two and a lot of number three do relate to the structure of NCAA and uh, what kind of structure you can give them in the off season, uh, what they can do, how, how much preseason time they get. Again, Division One is going to get a much longer preseason than Division Three, uh, you know, and that creates a whole bunch of problems. I always think of from a coaching perspective, what's best for the athlete, and a lot of times with the rules that are in place, the athletes um, don't always get what's best for them. Uh, four, grossly excessive training loads. Okay, we're talking about people who maybe have never run before, have never done any weight training, and now they're you know they're doing two or three days a week of weight training on top of uh, you know a lot more running than I, I I would do. And and I'm a relatively low mileage runner to begin with. I've been running for well over a decade now, and I still have to increase my mileage relatively slowly. So to throw in five, six miles a day for you know someone who hasn't run before, that's a big problem. 
you, you know, add to that, a lot of times I see three-a-day training sessions where you're mixing hard, tra uh, hard training sessions, skills, uh, endurance, all this stuff kind of mix and matched in there and you've got yourself a recipe for just uh, injuries and illness, um, to say the least. Five, either non-existent or poorly designed strength training programs. Now, one of the nice things about my new gig here at Mary Baldwin is we actually have a really good strength and conditioning coach. This is not always the case. Uh, some programs have no strength and conditioning coach whatsoever. The kids are just kind of left to it on their own devices or they're given a bad program. So that in and of itself is a huge problem that, that can be fairly easily remedied. I, I was at another school where the solution to the no, number of injuries that we had was to simply hire more athletic trainers to treat them. That's de definitely not the approach that we want to take. Uh, six, failure to educate and properly motivate athletes on eating, sleeping, and recovery. Okay, we all talk about age groupers not getting enough sleep. We're talking about college students, there's a lot going on in their lives. They're not eating properly, they're not sleeping, the recovery's not happening there. So you're adding all this new training on and you're really not emphasizing that recovery. Seven, I think a lot of this comes down to unrealistic expectations in the competition arena. Uh, again, uh, you know, there's a lot that can be done there. Um, you know, coaches might be pressured to get better results. I always like to think of Division Three, like junior cycling or junior triathlon. I'm not trying to get results. I'm trying to build a better athlete, okay? Uh, no, number eight, inadequate or underreporting or improper uh, or reporting or treatment of injuries, okay? Uh, nine, the pressure or requirement to compete in multiple sports during the school year, this kind of goes back to number two. We're trying to fill rosters, but a lot of times we're trying to make up for uh, student athletes who might not be training or, or might not be training as much as we might want them to. So we have them compete in more than one sport just to make sure that they're, they're, they're maintaining some base fitness level. And then number 10, there really is no rational long-term development plan. And this really gets at the heart of it. Again, I, I always go back to to, to junior athletics, junior endurance sports, and I see this, uh, you know, we're trying to create these super athletes when they're still kids. These are college kids, they might technically be adults, but they're not, and I would, uh, you know, really be looking at that four-year plan. What am I gonna do, where are they gonna be when they're juniors and seniors? I don't care where they are when they're freshmen, but again, that's just me, but I think that we need to come up with a rational long-term development plan. Well, folks, that is it for TipCast 149. Uh, just kind of some some uh, notes there on Division Three athletics and, and kind of my thought process on that. What, what I hope to do in the next TipCast or two is really kind of flesh out some ideas and solutions on how we can fix this. I'm going to be talking with coaches, be talking with athletes, former athletes, and, and, and coming up with some ideas that can really help to improve this the system without having to infuse a lot of cash. If you want to learn more about training, you can head on over to www.go1mm.com. That's go1mm.com. Hit the donate button, support the podcast there. You can also email me with your questions and comments at go1more mile at gmail.com. That's go1more mile at gmail.com.
gmail.com. You can also head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or your podcast uh, portal of choice and write us a review. I much appreciate it. As always, folks, remember, I started floating but was grounded for I got to.